0: God is going to cause you to change, and he's going to cause you to take your promised land, but you got to quit looking for a get-rich-quick scheme. Come on, somebody. God is thinking peace of you and not evil. That when he thinks about your life, he's not mad at you. The strongest people are people that understand togetherness. All throughout your life, you're on this journey to go from me to we. Love God. Lift others. others. Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamon. you guys ready for the word? Let's go ahead and go in our in our Bibles now and you can put it on the screen. We're going to start with our text Matthew chapter 22 34 through 40. And last week I explained to you that this month we're focusing on the vision of Elevate Life Church. And last week I kind of gave you the rundown of why we started this church you know our conversations with god were very candid we drove around out grove we drove around sacramento and we've seen so many great churches in the area and so it was like god why are you calling us here there's so many churches already in the area and god began to speak a specific vision to our hearts that was based on matthew 22 34 through 40 and it says but when the pharisees heard That he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all of the law and the prophets. And so, this was the scripture that the Lord gave us uh, as the vision of the church. He says, I need a church that will raise up disciples that will live out the great commandment and do the great commission. The great commandment is that we love God with all of our spirit, soul, and, uh, or as the word says here, with all of our uh, heart all of our mind, all of our soul and all of our mind. And we talked about that last week if you didn't get that go on the podcast and listen to that. And we're going to we're going to jump off into there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for this time that has been set apart as first fruits of our time, Lord, as we give it to you to worship you, and to hear from your word. We open up our minds right now. We take authority over every demonic power that would try to blind us from hearing what you're saying, Lord God. And we ask in Jesus' name that your presence would be here in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, one last thing. If I didn't give you enough reason to come on Friday, make sure you don't miss because we're gonna be ordaining some new pastors here in Elevate Life Church. And they're not new, but we're we're releasing more of uh, just obeying the Lord and and the anointing on our lives. And that's the Delgados, Jesse and Jessica, are going to be getting ordained on Friday. And also Willard Gable will also be uh, getting ordained. And they've been such instrumental parts in helping us uh, in this past season And God is already using them as pastors in so many many ways. And so this is just us adding our amen to it. So don't miss it. It's going to be a a historical time here. And what better time than when my pastor is in the house. So it's going to be an awesome time. So, okay. So loving God and lifting others. So this is why we started the church. Because we felt God saying, hey, I need a body of believers. I need disciples to be made. And we've shared this before that uh, the word believer is used two times. Times in the New Testament the word Christian I believe is used four times in the entire New Testament but the word disciple is used 269 times I believe in Western Christianity we're making a lot of Christians and we're making a lot of disciples I'm I'm sorry making a lot of believers but we're not making enough disciples disciples are very very different jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel and he didn't say make churchgoers he didn't say make christians so to speak he said go out and make disciples and so that's a big part of our vision we'll talk about that another time but the first part is understanding that it's important that we learn how to do the great commandment all right Because in Christianity or churchianity, we have made church about a lot of other stuff except love. We've made church about behavior modification. We've made church about rules how well can I look like a good Christian? We've made church about appearance. And there's a lot of, you know, for a season, church was about wearing the right church clothes, listening to the right church music, and going to, you know, the right church that looked the part, and yet people's hearts were not changing. And so I feel like God is using our house as a beacon, not the only house, but to get people back to the essence of what being a disciple is about. And so Jesus's question, his answer in this situation when he was asked, not by a sinner, but by somebody that was a studier of the law. That's what this lawyer was. He'd given his life over to studying the law and he asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus's answer, it sounds so simple that you can miss it. And people have. And he says, well, the greatest commandment, as he said there, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your your soul, and your mind. And see, we've got to look deeper in this because some, some of us deceive ourselves when we see, oh, love God. Oh, I'm doing that. Oh, I love God. Yeah, I love God. There's a lot of people that say they love God, but their lives don't reflect it. That's why Jesus was very specific in saying, Love God with your heart. And last week we looked at that. The word heart comes from the Hebrew word lev, which actually speaks of a person's moral character and determination. So, guess what that means? You got to love your God with your moral character. That means you got to have some morals. Can I get an amen? We've got too many people that claim to be Christians, yet they're still sleeping with their side piece. Come on, somebody. Or they have a side piece. Come on. we got too many people that say, I'm a Christian living in sin, willfully going to church. Then Jesus says, that's not loving me with your heart. See, what you're doing is you're loving God with a worldly love. And that's not going to cut it. Because the worldly love that we are most experienced with many of us is we have a a love that's just emotional we have a love you know people use that word love somebody will tell their girlfriend i love you and then on saturday night beat them and then apologize and say i'm sorry i didn't mean that i love you no that's not that's not love come on how many know that's not love and we've got some people that would say i love you but then still mess around on the side that is not love So Jesus is being very, very particular here. And he says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, which means, remember the Hebrew, your moral character. That means morally, your morals should reflect love to God. And how is that? First of all, you got to have some morals. You got to settle this, man, I love God when I choose to live right. God receives my sacrifice of living right as love unto him. So I'm not going to sleep with my girlfriend no more. Oh, that's a word for somebody in here. I'm not going to creep on the side with my boyfriend anymore because I love God. That's what he's talking about. Now, I should have put out a warning earlier. We're going to have big boy church today. Is that all right? Can we put the building blocks away today? Can we put the crayons away? Can we put the snacks and fruit punch away? We're not going to have preschool church today. We're going going to build some elementary doctrines in you today. Is that okay? Ask your neighbor, is that okay? Check with them. Check with them. I see some mad faces in here. You okay? Look at the other one now. Say, you straight? You good? You good? Okay. Because I'm, I'm trying to teach you something, right? We want to get this right. It is simple yet profound. What some people do with simple things is they go, oh, I got that. And then they walk away thinking, I'm loving God. See, there's people right now doing wrong that if you went up to them and said, hey, do you love God? They would say yes as they're dealing drugs. They would say, yes, I love God as they're getting out of bed with somebody that's not their spouse. They would say, yes, I love God. But see, that's not the kind of love that Jesus was telling him to love him with. This is if you're going to love me with your whole heart. And we said that means your moral character. The second thing last week we talked about is said, if you're going to love me, love me with your soul, which is the true essence of who you are. Which means this, you glorify and you show God who, uh, love when you walk in who you are now as opposed to who you were before Christ. Did you catch that? Let me break that down to you. Whenever some of you have heard my testimony, whenever I talk about my testimony and the things I did before coming to Jesus, it's always as if I'm describing somebody who died, who is no longer here. That person is dead. Who you see now, I'm a new creature. But do you know what I hear most of the time on uh, through conversation and through so many other means, even your social media accounts? What I see is some of you still relate to the old you. And you just happen to go to church now and I'm saved and I'm bought by the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, see, you got to become a whole new creature. Your essence, your soul, the word soul there means the essence of who you truly are. Who are you when nobody's around? How do you think, how do you act when there's nobody there to call you out? That's who you are. What do you do when you could get away with it? That's who you are. And so what the Bible is saying is if you're going to love me, love me with your soul, which means this, you have to be transformed and become something else. What I see too many times with people is we still relate so much to who we used to be. Oh, we're just, you know, well, you know, I'm from the streets, man. Get Come out of that. Come out of that and be a new creature. And quit using your past as an excuse to live sloppy. Well, you know, I'm from the street, so, you know, this is why I did. No, that's that's sloppy. That person's dead. Be this person now and live right and get rid of the excuses. Listen, I have a past just like you. The difference is this. I'm dead to my past. You pulling your past around like it's weekends at Bernie's. Y'all remember that movie? You know, you're keeping a dead person with you all the time. That's how a lot of us do. And some of you, if we look at your Instagram, the old yous be posting. I know that didn't make no good English right there. Make no good English. But you hear what I'm saying. The essence of who you truly are is still the old you. Jesus says, you got to love me with your soul. You got to really be about this thing. You're going to lose friends. You're not going to be as popular. And that's okay. Because when God sees that I put to death the old me and I'm not carrying them around, bragging on them. It's ridiculous how Christians do that sometimes. (laughs) Yo, Pastor, you don't know. Back in the day, I used to do like this. And your posts still reflect where you come from. Let me me give you perspective of why Jesus despises that. Because now that I'm married to Tina, you would never catch me bragging on my old ex you would never catch me like hey let me introduce you to my wife this is this is tina right here but let me tell you something i used to date this one chick we had good times and this is what we used to do and this is how we used to talk oh oh, but but i'm but i'm with tina now this is tina now but let me tell and that's what y'all do to jesus that's, that's how you get down on your Instagram, your social media. And then, and then your excuse is this. Oh, oh, but, but, you know, I ain't perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm in process. You know, God's working on me. Is he? Well, this time you start helping him in the process. By start saying no to your old life. Crucify that thing. Some of y'all ain't dead to it yet. You're trying to figure out how my old life works with my new life. And you're going to have conflict. Let me just tell you, it'll never work until you kill that old life, until you die to it. That's why Jesus said you got to pick up your cross and follow me. The old you has to die. I know you love the memories, and I know that, but until you can finally see that all the stuff you're romanticizing was killing you, until you can see I don't want to be that person, you can never have the new life in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says you got to love me with your whole heart, your soul this is what he's talking about your essence and then the last thing we talked about he said you got to love me with your mind which means this you got to learn you got to learn to think different act different reason different and that's where romans chapter 12 says you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind come on Optimus prime you got to be transformed Come on, bumblebee. You got to be transformed. You got to become, you got to be something else. You got to be something else. And the only way you can get there, you ready, is learning. We got to change that attitude out of you. Some of you have been in church too long to have that attitude. Amen? Smile at me. Pastor's loving on you today. It's big boy church, I'm telling you. I hope you wear your big boy chonis today because... Listen, you've been in church too long to just still have an attitude, to still be mean. We know, we know where you're from. We know you used to be this. We, we get it. You used to be hardcore. Okay. You want to medal for that? What? Let's, let's put that to bed. Where are you now? In the words of KRS-One. Come on, Boogie Down Productions. Google it, youngsters. Google it. It ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. Actually, Eric B. and Rakim said that, too. So, you know, do your, do your homework. It's not where you're from. It's where you're at right now. Let's stop, let's stop holding on to this old, romanticized life. It wasn't that good. It was taking you to hell. As I said last week, you weren't that cute. And you, wasn't, you weren't that player-ish. You really weren't. If you went back, it wouldn't be the same. You older now. God's doing you a favor, pulling you out of that. Some of y'all looking at your spouse like, shoot, I'll just divorce her and get another one. You probably won't. <laughs> probably not. You should be thanking God you found somebody that's putting up with you. Devil got you believing a lie. Ain't nobody better out there for you. You're lucky to have that one. Getting too real in here, getting too real. Okay. <laughs> So this is what Jesus says. So can we go a little further about when we're talking about love? Because people got a messed up view of love and they just want God to accept their worldly love. God is trying to tell you this is how you love me with your heart, your soul, your mind. Ready? Now let's go further in John chapter 14, 15 through 18. This is what Jesus says is love. I know you got your own ideas. I know I got my own ideas, but those ideas don't matter. What matters is what Jesus wrote what Jesus said. And look what it says here. If you love me, keep my commandments. Highlight that in your Bibles. You tattoo people, go get that one put on your back somewhere, okay? That's a great tattoo right there as a reminder, all right? If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. We talk about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What's Jesus saying right here? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my word. Are you guys seeing that today? So when somebody goes on an award show after making 12 songs on an album about misusing women and, and doing drugs and, and doing crime, and then they want to get up and say, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where your spirit should go, eh, false witness. Amen. Because Jesus said, if you love him, you keep his word. Amen? Right. Amen? Right. The next time he pushes up on you, young lady, and says, oh, oh, I'm a Christian, Watch his life. Watch his life because even though he says he's a Christian, if you love me, keep my commands. We'll tell you what they are. But let's bring it home. Some of us in this room, if you love him, you're going to keep his word. And let's let's quit with the excuses, y'all. I'm tired of people misappropriating grace. People that misappropriate grace is because they don't understand relationships. You do Jesus in a way you would never do anybody else. You do Jesus. Like, like, like I was saying earlier, it's like I would never, oh, this is my wife, but let me tell you about my ex. Let's take it a step further with people that don't want to obey his word, live how they want to do and say, oh, but I love God. I would never be with Tina, but have a side chick that I entertain from time to time. And then be like, oh, but baby, you know, I was just, I was in that moment. Please forgive me. She forgives me. And then two weeks later, I go do it again. How many know that ain't ain't love? Did y'all know that ain't love? I know somebody told you that was love. That's not love. See, we understand it in those terms. But then we do Jesus the same way. And we cry, grace, grace, grace. He forgives me. Oh, God, I thank you. He forgives me. Well, you know, pastor, I ain't perfect. This ain't about perfection. It's about love. It's not about the rules. It's about love. And Jesus is telling you how to love him. And can I tell you something? It's going to cost you. You're going to lose friends. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Some of the things you like to do, you're going to choose not to do no more because you appreciate and you love God. Are you seeing this today? Let's go a step further. So understand this. Write this down if you're taking notes. God equates obedience as love. That's what he's basically saying is love. I've, t- I've said this before all the time, you know, the five lo- love languages and things like that. Jesus' love language is obedience. Don't step to him with I love you if you're not obeying him. And every time you do obey him, God says, look at that. Look at, look at him loving on me. Wow, look at all these folks came to church because I said in my word not to forsake the assembling of, my, of themselves. They're loving me. Look at these folks that came in here that were worshiping today they're loving me why because we are singing songs no it's the obedience that says man these people love me whenever you obey his word god is taking it in like you're giving him a big hug like you're giving him a big kiss like you're loving on him god's receiving that like that but we want to give god love in our way and it doesn't work it's kind of like cain and abel y'all remember the story Cain and Abel both brought an offering unto the Lord. And Abel brings him the the, the first of his his animals. He brings that and sacrifices it. And then uh, Cain brings some fruit and some produce. But it wasn't his first fruits. And so God says, I can't receive that. And Abel got mad. It's always the disobedient that get mad. That's why some of you in here, maybe I make you mad with my preaching sometimes. It's always the disobedient that get mad. Because, see, he couldn't receive that offering because it wasn't done out of obedience. Folks, we've got to learn to do what Jesus asks us to do. Amen? So understand that. The love language of Jesus is obedience. Now, let's go a little bit step further, okay? You guys ready to go further? Three people, okay. How about the rest of y'all? Y'all ready to go further in this thing? Remember, it's big boy church today. We're not building Legos today, okay? John chapter 14, what does it say? 23 and 24. The sa- another scripture, the same chapter. I want to encourage you, read this, read this whole chapter on your own. Jesus answers and says to him, if anyone loves me, here it goes, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. We will come to him, make our home with him. He who does not love me and who does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So what's he saying again? Hey, if you love me, keep my words. And then he puts some dubs on it by saying, and then me and my dad are going to come live with you. You know what that means? Everything you do will succeed. Everything you do will get better. Your life will elevate. Come on, somebody. But we got to get you to do his word. And as a pastor, it's so frustrating because some people, they don't want to do his word, but they'll come to church. And now we're playing a game. Now we're playing a game. Like, you don't want to change anything about your life. You still want to have your weekend going out doing shots with your friends. You still want to go out and do this and that. But I'm going to come to church every Sunday. Now we're playing a game, and the game is this. I look holy, but I'm not holy. I look like I love God, but I don't love God. And that's not my standard. That's the standard of his word. Amen. Come on, ask your neighbor. Are you okay, man? You okay? Check, check on him because I see some mean faces in the, in the crowd right now. So look what Jesus says right here. If you don't keep his words, the love of God is not in you. Y'all see that? I'm just telling you this. I know you, you guys think you love Jesus you probably wouldn't have made it in his church. Probably wouldn't have made it in his church. Look what what he's saying here. If you don't keep his words, the love of God is not in you. If that makes you mad, listen, it's because you are loving God with your own love. God is not saying love is not in you. He's saying the love of God is not in you. His kind of love is not in you. And can I just tell you, we've got to get his love on the inside of us. Let me give you another scripture, because that's all I'm doing is reading scriptures to y'all this morning. First First John 1, 6 and 7. So you can't walk out of here mad at me. you got to take this up with the author right here. Uh, First John 1, 6 and 7. It says this. Oh, catch this one, y'all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, here it is, will cleanse us from all sin. So to be cleansed from all sin, catch this, I got to walk in the light. But can I just tell you, there are people walking in darkness thinking their sins are being cleansed. And that's not what the scripture says that's scary. That's scary. That's scary because some people think they're on the path. Some people think, yeah, that's my Lord. That's my Lord. And they're not. They're not. It's those that will have fellowship and walk in the light It says here that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you know what the Hebrew word for darkness was? It means ignorance. Listen to this. It means ignorance. So if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in ignorance, we lie and don't practice the truth. Can I tell you one of your greatest enemies in this Christian walk is not the devil, it's ignorance. This is why Pastor Tina and I are so adamant Y'all got to read the Bible. Y'all got to learn the word. You just, you just don't get to call yourself a Christian and not, and not find out and get in the light. Now, here's the thing. In the Hebrew, darkness means ignorance. In the Hebrew, light means knowledge. So you got to get, if you want to be in the light, you got to get some knowledge. Get some knowledge. Knowledge is what you need. You don't need more money. You don't need more of this, you don't need more of that, you don't need a husband, you don't need a wife, you need knowledge. Because ignorance or darkness is keeping you bound. So think about that. So in the original text, and it talks about darkness, it means ignorance. Satan is also known as the prince of what? The prince of ignorance. Guess what that means? He rules every area you're ignorant in. So guess what Satan wants to do? He wants to keep Christians ignorant. Just go to church, but don't learn nothing. So, you know, we, we, get, we get these churches or pastors, and please, hear my heart. I'm not trying to put anybody down or throw any stones. We're all doing our best. But we, we, we have, as pastors, we have the challenge. We got we to feed you knowledge. Like I said before, my job is not always just to come and make you feel better. A drug dealer can do that. Our job as pastors and leaders is to help you be better. And that's something a drug dealer can't do. Can I get an amen on that? So Jesus is saying here, if you walk in darkness, the love of God's not in you. So we got to pull you out of darkness, and darkness meaning ignorance. So which means we got to learn some things, okay? So now let's go to 1 John 2, 3 and 5. All right. 1 John chapter 2, 3 and 5. It says this: now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, here it is, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. So can I tell you something? Write this in your notes. Don't lie to yourself. Amen. Pastor Chris Sarno, when he was with us, dropped this gem on you. I don't know if you caught it. He said, nobody lies to you more than you. Nobody lies to you more than you. And yet you you just keep believing the lies. Hey, come on. This is what the word of God will do in your life. It'll keep you from lying to yourself. Without God's word, you think you're doing okay. Without God's word, I'm straight. I'm good. But you know what his word will always tell me? The truth. And when I read this scripture that it says here that those that know him will keep his word, will keep his commandments, will be obedient. That's the measuring stick. Next time you talk about loving God, the first place your mind must go is, am I obeying his word? Now, here's the thing. This is where somebody always gets tripped up. Well, pastor, I ain't perfect. It ain't about perfection. So you're looking at the rules. Well, pastor, I mess up. When you mess up, it's fine. God covers you. Remember, he says your sins will be forgiven. But let's not call mess ups choices because they're two different things. We want to call our mess-ups, mess up. We want to call our choices, I should say, a mess-up. No, you chose that. You knew the Bible said not to date that fool, but you dated him anyway. You knew he wasn't going to church. You know what the Bible says, you shouldn't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But you chose that. Don't call it a mess-up. It was a choice. And repent from it, and we can move on. Come on, smile at me, church. You know, we, 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 we put all this stuff out there and see, I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to give you some knowledge so that you quit living sloppily like this, because a lot of people live like this. And this is why their Christianity is not working. The Christianity that we're supposed to have is powerful, where we have healings in our bodies, where our addictions are broken where we go from one level of living to the next. Why? Because Jesus already told you, if you keep my word, I will come live with you and my father will come live with you. Do you realize in the New Testament, when you see heaven, there's no sickness and there's no poverty in heaven because that's where God is. So guess what? If he comes and live in my house and in your house, could it be he wants to eradicate sickness in our homes? And poverty in our homes I could see that clearly can you see that but why is it we live so stressed so uh, so full of anxiety maybe it's because you know you're not being real with yourself you're coming to church but you're not loving Jesus and Jesus didn't say if you come to church that's the greatest commandment Nah, he said you got to love me and then he broke it down heart soul mind are you still with me today Check on your neighbors. See if they're okay. Say, you good? You good? So don't lie to ourselves. Let's take it further. James chapter 1, 21 through 24. Boy, this is a good Sunday to take notes, so I'm giving you stuff to read on your own. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But here it is. But be doers of the word, not hearers only because you deceive yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word not a doer he's like a man who looks in the mirror and he observes himself and goes away and forgets what kind of man he was in america today we have produced the type of believer that loves to learn oh we love to learn we love to learn but we don't do what we learn. And if you don't do what you learn, the Bible says you are deceiving yourself. Translation, you're lying to yourself. You're not really transformed. What is he taught? What's the lie that we're lying to ourselves? You're not doing that good as you think you are. What if the lie is this? You're not really saved. Here's the thing. Let's settle this. Quit lying to yourself. And let's start being hearers and doers, hearers and doers, hearers and doers. And guys, this was the vision that God gave us for this church. We're not to be another church where people, people have spent 20 years in a type of Christianity that says, I go to church and I hear the word on Sundays. And then I try to be a good person. Being a good person is cool, but that's not all of the gospel. Most Christians make their Christianity about going to church and being a good person. That's not what Christianity is about. Jesus broke it down. Loving me with all your heart, soul, and mind and loving your neighbor like you would love yourself. You know what that second part's about? Doing. Doing. It's about getting involved in doing something. That's why I've shared from the beginning, the vision of this house is if we could get every person that calls themselves a member to serve one Sunday a month, it makes you a doer of at least one Sunday a month. At least that. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. At least that. Now, that's still, that's, that's the starting point, right? Because how many know you got you to gotta be a doer Monday through Saturday. But do you know how hard it's been for some people to cross that line and realize that God is good enough that I need to give him a Sunday, even if that means I stay for two services once a month and I get there early. Is it inconvenient? Yes. But you know what else was inconvenient? Him hanging up on that cross for you. That was inconvenient, too. You know what else was inconvenient? Him forgiving you time after time for being fake and still loving you and still giving you a seat at the table. Come on church, you know it's true. So write this down. We got to be followers of followers of Jesus are doers. Amen. Amen. You got to be doers. You got to get involved. Are you still with me? Look at Luke 14:33. I'm almost done. Don't worry. It says this, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all wouldn't have made it in Jesus' church. Y'all, y'all wouldn't have made it. And it's sad that in America we've gotten away from being like Jesus. Jesus' requirement, y'all, was, was pretty clear. And what he's saying here in Luke 14 he kicks it up a notch. He's already said, This is how you love God with your heart, your soul, your mind. He's already said, hey, if you're going to love me, keep my word. He's already said that. Now he takes it a step further. And he says, in the same way, anyone who doesn't give up everything, you can't be my disciple. Translation of what it means to give up everything, he's basically saying this. If you can't trust God with everything, you're not going to make it. The hardest thing about being a pastor is seeing people that do not make it. I've been going back on our Instagram, looking past for the last 11 years and stuff, seeing all the pictures. And in some of the pictures, I see people in those pictures that aren't serving God anymore. Now, when you go on their Instagram, they're at the bar. They're doing this. They're doing that. They've gone back to their old life. And it's hard. It's hard because you miss those people and you wonder, wow, man, if Jesus were to come today, would they be in eternity with him? And at one time, they were on the platform. At one time, they were leading youth. At one time, they were doing this or that. And, and it's, it's, it's pretty much the hardest part of, like, being a pastor, seeing that happen. And I believe it happens sometimes because we don't speak the truth. So Jesus is saying, hey, let's quit playing the game. Let's be about this. Amen? Amen. And he says right here, we're going to kick it up a notch. He says right here, if you can't trust me with everything, you can't be my disciple. Y'all ready for this? This includes money. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ah, here he goes. Ah, here he, some of y'all, here he goes. Pastor talking about money again. Here he goes. Man, miss me with that. If I was after your money, and I've said this so many times before, if I was a pastor after your money, I would not have planted a church in South Sacramento. Come on, somebody. Give me some credit for that. I'm smarter than that. I ain't, smart. I ain't too smart, but I'm smarter than that. If I was about the money, shh, I'd be right up there in Roseville next to the Galleria. Come on. Yeah, I'm go down the street a little bit and, and out grove. Come on, I'll be right over there. And nothing wrong with pastors that are pastoring in those areas. I'm just saying, don't come to me with that. Amen? Yeah. But here's what I was saying earlier. See, you wouldn't have made it in Jesus's church if talking about money's an issue for you. Because Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Do your own research. Do your own research. Jesus talked about money more than he even talked about heaven or hell. There's only one subject that Jesus talked more about. Ready? The kingdom of God. God's way of doing things. The basis of Jesus' ministry was talking about the kingdom and talking about money. You wouldn't have made it because you'd have got all mad. Hey, he's talking about my money again. These He's pastor. Listen, and I get it. I get it. There have been some crazy pastors out there. There have been churches that have ripped people off. I see it on the news just like you. And it makes me cringe at what some of these people have done. But you learn from that. You know what you learn? You learn not to give to those ministries. You learn not to go to those churches. But you can't back off of what God's word commands us to do. Amen? The same thing you do if you find out there's a used car lot that's ripping people off. What do you do? You don't go there. You don't buy a car from them. You don't go, well, I'm never buying a car again. Because now you're an idiot. But what do we do in church? Oh, I'm never given to the church again. Yeah, and you're still a, never mind, I'm going to be all right. doesn't make sense, but we do that. Jesus talked about money more than anything else except the kingdom of God. Prove it to you. 16 out of the 39 parables that Jesus has taught, the 39 messages, those parables, 16 of them were about money and possessions. If you would have went to Jesus' church, every other Sunday would have been a service about money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talked about money. We Break it down even further. There are over 500 verses in the Bible that where Jesus and, and, and God talks about prayer. 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. Get ready. Hang on to your seat. Over 2,000 verses where God talks about money and possessions. And we don't want to hear it. 2,000. He talked about money twice as much as he talked about any other topic. And we don't want to hear it in America today. And I understand why. As I said, preachers have taken advantage. Don't listen to them. Don't give to them. But that's why you got to read the word. Now, think about this. The creator of the universe comes to earth and he preaches. He preaches about money. And we already know the God of the universe loves us because he sent his only begotten son. He's proved his love. And yet, as he's walking the the earth for only three years, he has a ministry. He spends the majority of it talking about money. Do you think it's because he was trying to get everybody's money? No, he created the universe. What the heck did Jesus need money for? He created the cattle on a thousand hills. He made this sucker. But as he's thinking, I only got three years with my sheep. What do they need to hear about? This is what was on the mind of Christ. I got to talk to him about money. This is a loving savior that loves you. He loves you more than anybody. And as he's thinking, what can I teach my children, my sons and daughters? He says, I got a third of my ministry is at least got to be about money. And look what we've done. And look what the devil's done to us. He's made it to wherever money is even mentioned in church. Ah, da, 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 da. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Oh, here we go again. Uh, and you know, guess what happens? We remain ignorant in darkness. Guess who reigns in that darkness? Satan. Are you tracking with me still? Luke 16. Luke 16, 13 through 15. Look what it says here. Jesus is preaching, and he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and say it. Do y'all see it? Interesting to me that he didn't say, You cannot serve God in sin. You cannot serve God in sex because we would all said, oh, yeah, amen. But what does Jesus choose to compare as the the next heir to the throne of your heart? Money. And then he breaks it down even further. He says, guys, you got to settle. Who is going to be the master of your life? Because you can't serve two. And he makes a profound statement. He says, you're going to either hate the one and love the other. I looked up that word hate in the Greek dictionary. It comes from the word misos. And what it means is this, to dislike intensely. But here's the part I want you to get, the last part there. To be unwilling towards. So here's what Jesus says. You can't serve God and money because you're going to be either. You're going to love one and be unwilling towards the other. Can I tell you as a pastor for 30 years, I meet more Christians that are unwilling than willing. It's like we got we to twist people's arms to get them to do the right thing. But when it comes to money, we'll drop everything for a bigger paycheck. You don't believe me? Listen, people will change zip codes if they're paying more in the bay. Y'all left family behind because of a paycheck. Some of you will leave, your kids are in school, got friends, hey, we're moving, I got a job offer over here, and you don't even care about anything else, but you say, the pay is better. If that's not being a master to money, a servant to money, I don't know what is. And that's our culture. Listen, you went to a university, spent a lot of money to get a degree, not because you just want to be educated, no, you did it because you want a good job. So you can get more money. Come on, somebody. And nothing wrong with it either. But just don't be that money's master. Because Jesus said, once money becomes your master, you will hate me. He said it. "Oh, Oh, no, I won't. No, I won't. Remember, what does hate mean? You will be unwilling towards me. Some of you are unwilling now. Think about what, what is your Christian life? What has God asked you to do already in the Word? He's asked you to be a giver. He's asked you to serve. He's asked you to be a part of, well, I don't know. And this is where we get all the excuses. Well, I don't know because this, because of that. Could it be that money is your God and not Jesus? And so you'll do whatever it takes for money, but when it comes to Jesus, you're unwilling. I want you to write this down. You will love the one or be unwilling towards the other. Which one do you love and which one are you unwilling towards? Ask yourself that. Because I know some of you, you'll do anything for money, but you don't do anything for God. You got to adjust that. You better believe if Jesus says it's not possible to serve him in money, you better believe it isn't. It's not. It's not. And I want you to write this down too. Generosity is the only antidote to greed or covetousness. When Jesus preached this, guys, here's what he's telling us. The only one that can really take my place in your life is money. He said he didn't say sin because he knows sin. We all know sin has a price tag. And sin's fun for a season, but then, man, it messes your life up, and then you come right back to God. But the thing that can deceive you for a lifetime is your love for money. And your love for money can keep you thinking you're serving God, but you're really serving a paycheck. So how does God say we can solve this? Through generosity. Through giving. Well, oh, I, I ain't giving all that money to the church. It's so crazy that we think that way because you was giving all that money to your drug dealer. You was giving all your money to the club. Y'all ever think about how dumb it is drinking in a club? Can we, can we be real on a Sunday morning? You know how dumb it is because you're paying $10 for, for that much alcohol and some fruit juice? Do the math. You can make that same drink at home for 50 cent, but you in the club, (laughs) dropping 10, 15. I went to a baseball game last week with my dad a couple weeks ago. You know what beers were going for there? 15 bucks, beer like that. Dude next to us was throwing them back. He didn't once go, I can't believe I'm giving my money to this Coliseum. But we come in here to church, uh, pastor pass receiving another offering. Are you guys tracking what will happen to your heart? And, and, and see, that's the big thing you need to catch today, is money is never about your heart. Why did Jesus teach so much about money Oh, because he wanted offerings. He didn't need offerings. He could snap his hands. He was feeding people, 5,000 people with a snap of his fingers. He was doing miracles. He didn't need money. But yet every time he caught up, every third time he stepped up, he's talking about money. You want to know why? Look what it says in Luke chapter 12, 34. It says this, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, not where your heart is now. It's not what it says. It's where your heart will be. You need to backtrack a minute. You know, I was saying that it breaks my heart to look through pictures and see people in those pictures that aren't even serving God. I'm looking through our old pictures and I see people up here worshiping and, and leading worship. They're not even serving God now. They're in the bar getting sloshed on a Friday night. I see some in those pictures that were our youth leaders not even serving God now. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They didn't protect what was precious. And you need to hear me today. You need to protect this relationship you got with God. You need to protect it. Satan's coming for it. Listen, I'm glad we're here today, but guess what? You being here today doesn't guarantee you'll be here tomorrow. Anybody could serve God for a few weeks. Anybody could come to church for a year. Two years, three years. But I've seen people walk away. And You know how they walk away? Satan steals their heart. Because they don't, they don't value this thing we got with God. Yes, yes, yes. You better not take it for granted. You better protect it. So Jesus tells us this. You want to know how you protect it? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Giving tithes and offerings... In God's eyes, it's not about money. You know what it's about? Your heart. Yeah. Yeah. The word tithe speaks of a tenth. It's 10% of what we have, what God blesses us with. But the 10 is symbolic of a test. In the Old Testament scriptures, anything time you see testing, it was 10. 10. Ten plagues in Egypt tested, tested Pharaoh. Ten mean 10 is a number of testing. And so that we don't lie to ourselves, track with me now. So that we don't lie to ourselves, God gives us a way every week or two weeks or month, whenever you get paid, to take a test so that you know who you serve. So I get paid. I get to show God, God, here's my tithe because I'll never serve money above you. Every week, y'all, you get tested. Yeah, but pastor, it's a tough month. It's a tough month. You know, I just, it's a test. Who is on the throne of your heart? You see how the word works? It puts it in black and white. It puts it in black and white. And when you're doing right, it creates confidence. Yeah. When you're doing wrong, we make excuses. Yeah, but isn't tithing Old Testament? Isn't thou shall not murder Old Testament? We still keep that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You can always tell. 30 years of ministry, I'm not just talking out the side of my neck. I can always tell who's going to make it and who's not. You know what the first sign is always? Do they give? Because look what the scripture says. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. I want my heart to always be in God's hands. When I give a tithe, I'm saying my heart, my heart is going to be in your hands in my future. It's not about money. It's about your heart. Are you tracking with me today? Giving financially, write this down, directs your heart towards God. It directs your heart towards God. And I learned that at 19 years old. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. 30 years I've been tithing. And it ain't even a wrestling match. Oh, man, this is a big one. Ooh, this tithe is going to hurt. I don't even talk like that. You want to know why? Because everything I have comes from him. Read the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15. God is giving instruction to the Israelites, and he says, hey, when you get to the promised land, tithe and give and help your brother man. And he says, you do this so that you remember you were once a slave. See, remember, you want to talk about remembering where you come from? Make where you come from push you towards generosity. I give because Jesus saved my life. He didn't have to deliver me from drugs. He didn't have to deliver me from alcohol. He didn't have to deliver me from my old addictions, but he did, so I have no right to withhold what he's required of me. See, when you live like this, that's when you're getting real. Giving directs your heart towards God. Can I get an amen on that? The tithe is about so much more than money. Let me help you the tithe is about obedience yes. which is love yes. the tithe is about trust which speaks of relationship yeah. the tithe is about placing god first which is about lordship is he really the lord of your life the tithe proves it and here it is it's about your heart Don't quit. Let's quit playing games. Some of you, uh, I love God. Do you? I've given you clear ways now so that you know if you really love God. I think if you're honest with yourself, some of you sitting there right there would be like, dang, I ain't loving God right. And that's okay, because we could fix that today. Can I get an amen on that? Look at Luke 16, 10 through 15. You come and help me. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Two things you need to catch there. Number one, we've got to be faithful with the little. You know what's little in the kingdom of God? Money. It's the least in the kingdom of God. To God, money's dirt. That's why when you read in the Bible, they're streets of gold. We drive on them. We walk on it in, in heaven. It ain't no big deal. It's the least. It's dirt. Streets of gold, dirt. It's nothing. So you know what God says? If you can manage what is least in the earth realm, I'll bless you with stuff money can't buy. Like health. Like healthy kids. Good kids. Like breaking generational curses like living a good life things money cannot buy and if you think money can buy those things man watch the Kardashians come on somebody on the fifth marriage got all that money still ain't happy gotta put fake parts in come on but then it says this if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own You better listen to this it'd be like if I said to Jesse I said Jesse I'm going on a missions trip for six months and they're gonna be I'm gonna be preaching on the road so I need you to take care of my wife so Jesse uh they're paying me over there I'm receiving offerings I'm gonna be good so every month man I'm gonna send you a thousand dollars and because I love you bro yo keep 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 90 percent of it but my wife is gonna need a hundred a month to, to just sustain her and the kids while I'm gone, so Jesse, just make sure you you keep giving her that hundred for six months. Jesse says, "Cool, Pastor, thank you, man. That's a blessing. I'll take care of her." I called Tina three months later. I said, "Hey, how you been?" She goes, "Ah, oh, it's tight. Why is it tight?" She said, "Man, you know you ain't been here and money's a little short." I said, "Hey, I gave Jesse money to bring to you every month." She goes, oh, well, well, he came by one month. He gave me like 10 bucks. He dropped me a 20. Then, oh, one time he came and brought me 50. How many know I'm going to be so mad at this fool right here? First thing I'm going to do is not send money to him anymore. How many believe that's the right thing to do? That's just what Jesus has asked you to do. You see, the Bible says in the book of Malachi, bring your tithe to the storehouse, which means the church. You know what the church is called in the New Testament? The bride of Christ. And every month you go to your state job, you go to your business, your real estate, whatever. And God says, hey, I'm blessing you this month. But do me a favor. Ten percent of that, I want you to take care of my wife. Ah, oh, pastor, it's tight. Wait, 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 wait. Whose money is that? Who got you that job? Who put you through college? Who gave you that brain? Who opened those doors? Oh, you did it all? Okay, then. Then you're on your own. See, the hardest thing about being a pastor is seeing people struggle because they don't do what's right. Guys, what I'm giving you is a key of maybe this is why your business ain't working like it should because things are out of order. What would happen if you would just do what the word says to do hey i get it i know it's hard but you know what's harder it's harder when verse 12 says and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property i ain't giving you none of your own that's harder remember god is giving you everything you own it's his right how many agree it's his maybe this is why you're struggling because your source has been cut off, because you haven't been faithful. Maybe this is why you're struggling so much. Here's my point, y'all. Let's love God for real. Let's quit lying to ourselves. Let's quit loving God like the world loves. And let's love him like he has to be loved by obeying the scriptures. By seeing something in the word, hearing a word like this and going, okay, I'm going to do it this week. Okay, I heard that word. I need to give. I'm going to do it. Okay, I need to serve. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I need to lose this attitude that I've had since I've been saved. And it's time for you to lose the attitude. Amen. It's time to grow up. We know, you, we know where you're from. We know how hard you used to be. We know you cut somebody, but you're a Christian now. You're a Christian now. How long are you going to hang on to that excuse? You're a believer now. Let's love God so that then we can love others. Could it be the church has done such a poor job of loving others? It's because we ain't got this part right. We still come into God with this worldly love. God, I love you on Sundays but I got my side thing over here later for that. Now, can I be at 100? Can I bring this into the natural realm now? The mission that God's given us here at Elevate Life Church is impossible. It's impossible to do. So we need God's involvement. But guess what? We need your involvement. We need your involvement. God saved you because there's something in you this body needs, this community needs. And you keep being unwilling towards God. It's time to fix that. We've been very thankful for the giving family here at Elevate Life Church. It's got us through a pandemic. It's got us through a building. But there's some of you that have come into the body And this message, you got to get, you got to grasp this today. Some of you have been a part of this church and you have not yet learned to be a tither, to be a giver. You got to take care of God's bride. Can I get an amen on that? We need you. Listen, I'm so excited about ordaining some new pastors. But you know what breaks my heart? And it should break yours we can't pay them because everybody don't give. Now, I don't want to get up here crying because I ain't trying to manipulate nobody. Miss me with that. But my family has sacrificed so much because some people won't love God. Some people would just come in and, yeah, give me the blessings, preach me the word. And it's time, y'all, if we're going to go to this next level, we got to stop asking that of our leaders. And we got to just do our part and watch God do his part in your family. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, tell your neighbor you know it's true. So here's the beauty of it all. The miracle is in the house. If everybody that calls this their church will just do their part, we're going to change this area. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church. This Friday, July 16th, Elevate Life Radio brings you Brandon P. I give it 100, no figure out yeah. yeah. no, no figure out yeah. 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 This a bop yeah. Hey, this a bop yeah. Put that on us We got the best side Put up on us You know it's on side And I don't want to fall now. Show starts at 9 p.m. in the Elevate Life Church parking lot and is free of charge. 4333 Florin Road in Sacramento. It's God's Hip Hop Fire with Brandon P. Sponsored by Elevate Life Radio. Elevate your music and elevate your mind.